Welcome to South Dakota Loves Panucci, the football show dedicated to discussing the quirks of the beautiful game. As always, we walk the existential path to discover why the great state of South Dakota loves Panucci quite as much as it does. I'm Jamie, and every week I'll be here with co-hosts Savvy and Wilf. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of South Dakota Loves Panucci. This week is our international special as we round up the best of the week's action. Zavs, Wolf, how are you guys? Yeah, I'm good. Feeling suitably jingoistic. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, what do you mean by that, Wolf? Well, just, you know, pumped up. You know, we pumped the Albanians. If I could think of some <laughs> Albanians, I would say we really gave a beating, but I can't think of any famous Albanians. So just... <laughs> We're 10 seconds into the podcast and we've pumped the Albanians. <laughs> I feel like that was a very forgettable game, was it not? Uh, speak for yourself. It was exactly what happens in international football when team who are all right, basically. And, ooh, their right back plays for Napoli, that kind of a setup. Whenever a team like that comes up against England who are trying to fit lots of players into the same side and are trying to do it on a slow pitch, it's like, ah, yes, 2-0 Harry Kane tapping. I mean, people always shit on this sort of game. They're like, oh, yeah, so boring. England need to play more attackers. But also, it's like, it's not a really boring 2-0 win with absolutely no scares against a team that isn't very good, exactly what you want. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the common criticism here is, oh, well, we've started with two defensive midfielders, namely KP and Rice, against a team like Albania. And really, we should be starting Foden plus Bellingham plus Sancho plus whoever's fit. The issue is, you're going to come up against someone quite good in the group stages. This team will never have played together before because you've insisted on playing Mount Grealish, Foden, Rashford, Sterling, Kane, all on the same side up until then. So I think it was probably good enough. The one that was slightly more interesting to me was the San Marino game. Oh yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't watch this game. I refuse to watch England games. I find them. I find them quite dull. I'd rather watch Scotland instead. Although the thing I quite enjoy about when San Marino turn up is that every single time they play someone like England, it's like, oh, bottom of the world ranking San Marino. They get their big day out. And then they get battered 5-0 and everyone's like, oh, what's the point in them even turning up? And you've got people like Lineker coming on and saying, oh, we shouldn't be playing teams like this. They should have pre-qualifiers. Do you guys agree with that or or not? I can see I where don't... he's coming from. And I think especially because now the Nations League has like evened that out there and everyone kind of plays teams on their level. And that probably did work as a format in a way to make more exciting games. And I'd imagine San Marino probably had a better time of it. But also, it is a bit like you've got to go through the process one way or another. Like, you know, what's better, a 5-0 win over San Marino or like a 1-0 win over Estonia? Like, I don't know which is more boring or more performative and all that, you know. Or a 1-1 draw with Estonia, which is, I think, you know, that attitude is why a lot of people get pissed off, right? Because it's the England, like, oh, arrogance, all of that. Like these San Marino players, like, you know, they'll be telling their kids... All about, you know, like the goalkeeper, he had a really good game and he'd be telling his kids in the future about these, those shots that he saved from Jesse Lingo. Oh yeah, and that and, viral and they, video, you know, that lovely gesture, that <laughs> class act from, from Jay Lings. If you're from San Marino, you absolutely have to have grandkids. And a second job. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is your second, well, you need grandkids and a second job. But without the grandkids, who are you going to tell about that time you shepherded Kyle Walker's long pass out of play? But it's, yeah, and that's the thing that weirds me out about this. Like, it's not that big a deal for them to play England, right? Because they do it every year. They go in World Cup qualifiers and Euro qualifiers. They have to do it every two years. They have to play someone like France or England or Spain. They have to play one of them, usually. Like, worst case scenario, they get Switzerland. And they're like, oh, that's a bit boring. But, like, 
you know, they, they still have to play a really high-ranked team because a really high-ranked team has to go in their group. So it's not that big a deal for them. To also, play. like, how big a story and... for your grand is that, oh, yes, you know, sit down, son. Let me tell you about the time I got pumped <laughs> 9-0 by Calvin Phillips and co. Like, no, who cares about that? You genuinely think, like, ADHD-raddled kids are going to sit down for that story. <laughs> about Gareth Southgate testing out whether or not Calvin Phillips worked in sentiment next to Rice. Or, like, what was interesting about this game is that he played a back four. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, granddad, cheers for that. Yeah, and it's also, like, you'll imagine... Okay, so these... Say the average San Marino player is 28. Meaning, say they, they become a father at 31. And their kids become parents at 35 add five years for the kids needing to understand like a story these guys are going to be 75 by the time they're telling these stories so that's a full-on 40 years from now can you imagine what kids attention spans are like can you imagine what Fortnite is doing in 40 years there's no way they're interested in players born 40 years before them patrolling the midfield for leeds united they'll probably be confused as to what football is and they're like yeah, we used to live on land <laughs> Oh, that's an earth sport. I'm with you, Grandad. Yeah, yeah. Back in the I day. Thought, oh my god. I think the slightly harsh thing forever with San Marino is the fact that they are bottom of the world rankings. Because really and truly they shouldn't be right. It's, 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 it's incredible. 210 teams are listed in, in the world rankings and there's only 193 countries in the world. So it's quite impressive to be at the bottom. And I think it's probably because San Marino are just, they're just the worst team in the best continent, right? So like Europe is obviously, it's way harder to win a game in Europe than it is to win in Oceania, right? Like if they, if they were playing St. Kitts and Nevis every, every time they had to qualify, they'd probably have The thing is, could they do it on a balmy night in St. Kitts and Nevis? That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine probably. They'd give Tonga a game. One of the things that the San Marino manager has been doing is professionalizing them. So now they don't ask for shirts before the full-time whistle, which was apparently what was going on quite a little time. <laughs> you're 7-0 down and you're marking Lewandowski and you go, hey, listen, I know you're about to attack this corner very, very hard. But it'd be nice, but it'd be nice. Thing is, if I your shirt, in, yeah. in reality, the stories you tell your grandson are nothing to do with the game. It's all the tactics about getting the best players. Show. It's like, oh, son, sit down. This is how I got Messi's shirt in 08. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on, on San Marino... Yes, yeah, so the 210th in the world out of 210, which means that if you're a footballing nation, if you can think of any nation in inverted commas that plays football, they are better than San Marino. I've had a look at some of the teams that are above them and 206th in the world. Like, so this is quite a big country comparatively size wise when like, you know, for comparison, like the Faroe Islands are like 107th. Sri Lanka are 206th which really is an impressive feat given how many people live there. That is a country that does not care one jot about this sport. They just do not give a But fuck. also, they're a more renowned sporting country than, say, the Faroe Islands. It's like, you'd think there'd be at least some guy who couldn't make it into the cricket team, but was a bit fast and, like, had a bit of... There bit are, there are hundred places below the Faroe Islands, which is just, it's, it's mad to me. But also, and, and they're actually below this, this country as well, have you heard of the Turks and Caicos Islands? I have. I have a lot of money stashed there, but that's another... <laughs> they're, a big, they're a big squawkle country. I, well, no, that's, they're not even on there, Jamie. They're not even on there. I think they're just off Haiti in the Caribbean. Anyway, they're 203rd in the world. And I was like, I'll oh, just go and have a look at the Turks and Caicos Islands. You know, who, what, what kind of stuff they're up to. And they've won... I think they've only ever played 30 games ever. 
And their most recent result was a 7-0 drubbing by Nicaragua. And I just think that, like, this team is not as good as San Marino, but they'll just never, ever have the opportunity to play them. They haven't played against anyone I recognise apart from Cuba, and every time they played Cuba, they've lost at a minimum of 6-0. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's a bit harsh on San Marino when you say, oh, bottom of the world ranking San Marino. Like, they're better than the Turks and Quesos Islands. The Turks on Quesos Islands have one guy who plays for Miami FC. Miami and, CF. Whoa, whoa, whoa. CF. Is it Miami? It's, no, it's not the. It's, it's, oh, it's not, not. It's into, not into Miami. No, it's it's the one below. So it's it's Miami FC, who used to. Uh, by the way, three years ago, were managed by Alessandro Nesta. If anyone's interested, went and found that one out. But like, they have one guy who plays for them, and the rest of them all play in the Turks and Quesos League. <laughs> Actually, no, I tell a lie. One guy plays in Taiwan, and then the rest of them all play in the Turks and Quesos League. The teams are all called like Full Physic. Or Academy Eagles, Academy Jaguars. And I think anyone who plays for a team with Academy on it isn't older than 25. (laughs) Yeah, well, on the other end of the international spectrum. Do you guys know what year it was for the last time Spain lost a World Cup qualifier? It's got to be... 2007. Yeah, it's got to be around 06. Adia Del Orno was playing, wasn't he? Ruben De La Red. Was Raul playing, is the question. Yeah, it's earlier. It's earlier than all of them. Raul still might have been playing. He might have been, but I think it's early. Okay. The last loss of the World Cup qualifier in 1993. Jesus. 1993. It's been 28 years. That was Raul's, yeah. like, eighth season, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that was Carnu's 30th birthday. That's what it was. <laughs> Raul was wearing the 17 shirt, but he hadn't graduated to seven by that point. <laughs> anyway, it's a, remar- it's a remarkable record. And it made me think, weren't they supposed to be wank? Oh, no, they weren't supposed to be wank. They were supposed to be like a bit like England, underperforming. And the way you get to be an underperforming country is by being really good in the qualifiers and then yeah, then like having nothing to show for it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, speaking of, have you seen well not under twenty one? Oh my god, how's that man still in the job? Okay, so now, the I don't think he's has, has Eddie Boothroyd done a good job anywhere. He's got players through to the. He did okay at Watford, and then they got relegated. Was Boothroyd Ashley Young oversized shirt? Yes. But he's been living yeah, yes, off that yes. for about 20 yes, yes, years, or whenever that was, because it feels like 20 years ago. Probably 15. 2006. Yeah. It's mental that if Ashley Young wore a slightly better fitting shirt, our under-21s would be in the knockout stages <laughs> by now. I think, I think the interesting thing, for, like to give a little bit of context here, our under-21s are elite at that level. We have like seven or eight regular Premier League players in there. You know, you've got like Hudson-Odoi, you've got Nketiah, you've got Smith-Rowe, you've got Mason Greenwood, you got Ben Godfrey, you got Aaron the, the transfer got... value of that team alone is like <laughs> genuinely. Matt, Tom, Matt Tom, Tom Davis, Tom Davis is like that's a mad one to me. He's only twenty two. Tom Davis, yeah, Tom Davis, but also Max Aaron's and Max uh, Aaron's as well, yeah. on the bench. It's an elite. Side. I mean, that's a prem- that's a Premier League side, I think. And they just they they've had one shot on target and they lost four games at international tournaments. <laughs> It makes me appreciative of the fact that the senior team have kind of shed that level of being shite, and we've just passed it down the generation. Hopefully it'll keep on going until our under-11s are under the spotlight. <laughs> I kind of vaguely want to talk a bit about Scotland, because I don't know if you guys watch this game. I don't watch England. Scotland are in a really interesting group, in my opinion. They've got the Pharaohs. This is why I know how low-ranked the Pharaohs are. They've got the Pharaohs and Moldova. 
and they played the first game against each other, so they they ground out a one-one draw, which I thought was really funny because that's then... really funny. That's <laughs> Moldova, really Moldova, then went on to they conspired to lose eight-nil to Denmark next game. Wow, so they're just gonna kick lumps out of each other. That's the that's the model. Moldova and the Pharaohs are gonna just draw two. Games. <laughs> it's, it's a and hilarious matchup. Yeah, yeah, and then whoever whoever gets battered by the least gets finishes ahead on goal difference, and that's the real quiz. Basically, yeah, I think Denmark are gonna win this group, and it's gonna be pretty easy for them. And then, but it's quite interesting because Austria are like the next best team, but they're not actually very good. And it's the first time I've watched Scotland and gone, this team should you know could potentially qualify for a world cup who knows they probably needed to win one of the first two games against israel or austria but they didn't lose either of them so maybe that's important who knows israel are the variable there aren't they because they're basically all right yeah and so scotland have played them they've had them in literally every single format over the past however many two years or something the israel manager coincidentally is austrian he's been in charge for nine games and Four of those games have been against Scotland, which I think is really funny. <laughs> That's really we're, we're all sick of having to go to Bloomfield Stadium, I think it's called. Sick of going to Tel Aviv. Robertson, Tierney, the boys, they have to watch everyone clubbing out in Israel whilst they quarantine. You know, and there are actual fans in there. But yeah, they got a point and that was that that was all right. Fair play to them. But I've had I've had enough of just the entire Israel squad. And like, why do I know that their right back is called Eli Dasser? Why do I know that? Yeah, it's also really funny because like this lad's taken the Israel job. He's been there for nine games and he's had to plan for Scott McTominay four times. <laughs> Every is, time. How do you do that? It comes back to the it's same. It's different because McTominay originally was playing at centre back. Now he's playing centre mid, and there's you know now he has to prepare for Shea Adams, who's way better than Lyndon Dykes, and it's sort of like this isn't fair. You've just signed a player. Yeah, no, I I think Scotland might be all right actually. We're certainly going to beat England at the Euros, so that's fun for us. Yeah, I mean Scotland are much more exciting than Ireland. The Republic of Ireland. How funny was that? So funny. They lost at home one 0 to who? Luxembourg. Luxembourg. The lads from Um, Luxembourg. Actually. I mean, I know it's 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 the worst result in Ireland's history, probably. But actually, if you're looking at the one moment that won it, objectively, it is a Dinamo Kiev striker scoring against Rochdale's goalkeeper. So you're sort of like, mm, you know, you'd expect him to do that. That's a mismatch there. I mean, the rest of it is is pretty appalling. Rochdale's number one was in goal for Ireland. I think so, yeah. And right. yeah, exactly. It's not great. And they've got Seamus Coleman playing as like the RCB. Matt Doherty was wearing seven. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. How, I know. How have the Republic, how have the Republic of Ireland got rid of Mick McCarthy? He's the perfect manager for that squad. The idea with Stephen Kenny is that he is the young, exciting, I don't want to say Irish Guardiola, but maybe Irish Graham Potter is more like, like applicable. But the idea is that he will play some potentially exciting football, which is kind of what they need, and bring through, you know, Troy Parrott and those players who've been like fated for a while as like a kind of, who could actually do something instead of like just the kind of like MacArthur axis. MacArthur's Scottish, unfortunately. McCarthy is McCarthy Irish. McCarthy, but like they actually scored twice against Serbia, which was apparently a really big deal. They hadn't scored in which is exactly what Portugal ages. did. To be fair, to clarify. The difficulty, the difficulty with the Republic of Ireland, as far as I see it, is you're just producing a lot of boring footballers who don't keep the ball particularly well. And then you go and play teams who do keep the ball particularly well. 
And because you're the Republic of Ireland, and obviously, like, you've got some big players over the years, you have this, like, oh, we're entitled to win games of football internationally against countries like Georgia or Albania. And you pitch up, and you're like, oh, wow, they're actually quite good. And playing Rochdale's number one doesn't cut it. But also, Georgia. but also, your one young good player is playing under Jose Mourinho. Like, that, that's never going to happen. For like... Georgia, though, that you mentioned that, are actually, you know, they're not that bad. I mean, I say that as a Scotland fan who's had to watch us lose to them since, like, you know, 2005 or whatever. But they were they were a goal up against Spain for a, a considerable amount of time. And Spain only scored a last-minute winner, Danny Olmo, 90 plus three. And I, I had it on in the background when I was doing some work. And I was actually quite upset at the end. I didn't think I would care. But it was it was sort of a bit heartbreaking. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Spain. They hadn't lost a World Cup qualifier for ages because... They didn't come close. It was 1-1 for most of the game. But, you know, they were pretty jammy. They were obviously the better team, but it is Georgia. Having previously and, like, drawn you know... with Greece as well. I mean, I, I feel like this, mm, this yeah, Spain exactly. time was supposed to be a kind of young, exciting, you know, remodel on the kind of like, you know, Xavi and Iniesta version that's been kind of petering out for four years. But it doesn't sit. I think they've actually, they're still a bit imbalanced. It's like they've still got Jesus Navas, like, paroling the wings. And that doesn't really seem... yeah. Murata's still yeah, up front. exactly. That's the big one. Yeah, I haven't heard of lots of them, basically. Which I know sounds strange, but the goalkeeper, Simon. Simon. Um, Lorenz, <laughs> Simon. Si- Simon. 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 You're right, Simon. Diego Levante. <laughs> Ruiz Do you remember that? Field, Gil out wide. Are these players... Oh, that's um, Fabian Ruiz. Uh, Napoli. Uh, Napoli, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. all right, but uh, he's not like... He's, an, he's, he's an a okay classic, player, yeah. like... 35 million player who was like fated with like Barcelona it was like oh yeah, you could go to Barcelona to be but also you could go is. to West Ham he's definitely got that kind of career in him Ferran Torres scored he seems to score every time I watch him play Danny almost at Leipzig isn't he it's interesting because when you think of Spain you think of the Barcelona team the Real Madrid team and then a, a couple of others right but like now it is it's a bit more oh right they they come from all across Europe it's a bit more second string do you know what I mean yeah, like, because it used to be just Real Madrid, Barcelona, and I'm looking at you, Cap de Vier. Yeah, Cap de Vier, yeah. It was Cap de Vier and Marcus Senna, like, they were the two. And they came in slightly different times. Who played left back for Spain before Cap de Vier? Does anyone know? Azia Delorno? <laughs> oh, he was Delorno. <laughs> he was so bad. He was so bad. <laughs> wasn't, he a, wasn't he a Chelsea? Yes. Famously, yeah, bit, like, yeah. only came on to get red cards in big Champions League games. That was Delorno's role. <laughs> Was he was he in the Liverpool the sides that played Liverpool? He was in that era for sure, but I don't know if he played against Liverpool. He might have done in one of like the second legs when we'd like won comfortably, and then it was really close in the second leg, and it was like definitely Del Horno just being literally run through a bullet by like Zenden or someone. Like, yeah, because it's funny when you look back at iconic games, you kind of project the teams you think were playing of that era. The one that springs to mind immediately is Ryan Bertrand playing in the Champions League final. He, he made his debut then as well. God, yeah. And he was good. I think, the, 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 the first, I think the first and probably only ever player to make their Champions League debut in the final. Although Mourinho worked quite hard at putting people on the bench for finals that would achieve that. The Inter Milan bench for the Champions League final is so much fun. <laughs> is it McDonald Morega? Victor Wanyama's older brother, he won the Champions League with Inter. The first ever Kenyan player to win the Champions League. I think he's the only one. To, to win the Champions League. And he played like a grand total of 17 minutes a- across the season. I think 11 of which came over the two legs against Chelsea. And yeah, no, that to me, he was on the bench for the final. I don't think he came on. 
but like that's the pinnacle of you know obscure players turning up in massive games you know Roberto Pereira of Watford he came off the bench and played in a Champions League final for Juventus against Barcelona which I think is really funny yeah that's wild the other one that comes to mind slightly is that Nuno Wolves' manager was on the bench for Jose when Jose won the Uh, that's a great stat how does he look older than Mourinho now then how does that work (laughs) he looks like Nathan Redman suffered several horrible bereavements over an extended period and like has aged 25 years in the space of three months or something and as always we have our weekly fraud segment so today Wilf is going to pitch someone to be fraud of the week and join William in jail that's right that's right is is William still in jail well yeah, I don't think he is. I think he might have gone out yeah, for. Did out. we? Did we? Did he go out for Brendan Rodgers? Yeah. Has no one checked on William? I don't think anyone's checked on William. I don't think William's checked on William. I think he's still probably watching Lupin. He only had five episodes though, so unless he's just rewatching it, <laughs> we could give him Lupin. Anyway, he's not in jail anymore. Is it Brendan? It's Brendan. It's right? Brendan Rodgers, which hasn't necessarily aged well, given like the FA Cup semi final and the kind of steadying the Premier League shit. Well, but yeah, I'm I mean, still happy. I'm still, I, I, I stand by it, to be honest. <laughs> Even at the time, they just won 5-0. <laughs> so I was like, this is a little bit But off, Brendan does, but he has enough. such big fraud energy. Like, <laughs> he really yeah. does. Anyway, yeah. this week, we have the biggest fraud energy of them all. Because we, ha- we haven't recorded an episode since the big Europa League showdown of a fortnight ago, when prior to kickoff... A certain Zoran Mamic, who, spoiler alert, is now, you know, being memorialised in this. Like, locked up a fraud has to be... We've got to come up with some kind of punny Zoran Mamic, like, Europa glory jail pun. Because this guy is the king of them all. <laughs> Hours before his side pull off, you know, one of the biggest victories of, of, of this century for them. I'm going to go ahead and call it. I haven't been following Zagreb for a good while, but this is a big one, you know. Especially in the grand, you know, content scheme of it all. Probably their most mentions on Twitter, I would say, if we're going by, like, you know, if that's a trophy, then we've given it to him. But yes. Mm-hmm. And who did, who did they beat again, Will? Who did they beat? They beat the, the Tottenham's of Hotspur. <laughs> Give me five minutes, guys. Give me five minutes. In an absolutely enthralling encounter... In which a certain... What is it? Is it Danny Orsic? Are we going Danny? Or what, what's his... He's called uh, Mi- Mislav Orsic. Orsic. It's, a, it's, it's such a good Sounds hat-trick. like Danny to me, it's... Dave. Dave Aspilicueta. <laughs> it's, it's such a good hat-trick, by the way. All three goals, especially the last one. The first one is really, really good. The second one is like an emphatic finish. And the third one is he's gone past like three players and then just bent it into the bottom corner from about 25 yards out. It's such a good hat-trick. I love the boy. I, love and the all, guy. And I think Arsenal while, already rumoured to sign all him. All while some bloke he'd never met who was like the assistant son was, you know, telling him what to do. It, it, it's so impressive. And, and the interesting thing about this fraud case is that obviously, you know, we, we haven't seen the like of this since locked up a fraud began, that someone would actually be locked up for fraud hours before their greatest <laughs> moment of their career. <laughs> but... But is it almost, is there, is there a fraudulence as well to his, his managerial side? Like, obviously he has his off the field issues, but on the field, the fact that hours, you know, hours after you've, you've literally been incarcerated, your team pull off the biggest victory. 
I think that says something about your tactical nous too. I think, you know, he is a fraud on both counts in that sense. What actually went on? I've got no idea what's going on. Okay, so, so we're talking, of course, of, of Zoran Mamic, who I've just got his, his, you know, the Supreme Court sentence here. And they've sentenced him to six and a half years of imprisonment for the embezzlement of 116 million kuna from the club itself. God, I didn't know that, actually. That is fascinating. So that's around 13.1 million from Dynamo Zagreb's coffers. That is, that is fascinating. And now it's been reduced to four years and eight months. Oh, that's good. Which is nice for the guy. And his former, the former director of the club, Damir Vrbanovic, has also been, has been locked up for three years. And they've both been charged with tax evasion for the club for one point million and siphoning off the 13 million from transfers of players. So they were taking it from the transfers of the, presumably from like, it's mostly from West Ham. So you've got like 15 million from West Ham about 10 years ago and you've just been slowly siphoning it off. Who were the players that came through? Like, uh, Modric is at Zagreb, wasn't he? Corluccio. 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 Yeah. Do you reckon Zagreb fans are really annoyed with him for stealing money from their team? Or is he like a massive cult figure now? Because that's the best thing they'll ever do, right? I think like you win some, you lose some. Do you think so? Yeah, he sold hundreds of millions. But last year, like top, well, two years ago, Tottenham were in the Champions League final and they've just battered them 3-0. So they've got Unai Emery's Villarreal in the next round. So that'd be interesting. They, man, they could go on and win that game, but... I don't know. I feel like Unai Emery knows what he's doing in this competition, annoyingly. So, naturally, the question goes, are there any other options for the fraud? I mean, I'm assuming you haven't got anything better than that, either of you. But, but I, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, now's your time, you know. Forever hold your peace, if not. I'd imagine it would be a difficult sell. Is it time to put Louis Barry back in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's Louis Barry doing? Okay, well, he's done fuck all, to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is quite fraudulent, Will. If you'll hear me out. No, I don't have it. I don't have, any, I don't was have it, anything. Was he in the that, under twenty one side? No. no. If he was, no. it'd be a hell of a no, case. Nowhere, the case nowhere, near good, nowhere, nowhere near good enough. Which is hilarious. That's why it's so funny that he scored in the first place. Birmingham Live have written an article called "The Curious Case of Louis Barry and What Next for Aston Villa's Goal Scoring Sensation." Wow. <laughs> There's a whole thing about him. Oh my god. You know that goal. That that's his. Uh, Tony Watts moment, isn't it? Except he's not winning the Champions League game against Barcelona. He's scoring <laughs> the first of like, you know, a, a 5-1, a 6-1. Was it 5-1? Oh, no, I think it was only 4-1. Against, against what, dropping. Is, what is now known as a poor Liverpool side as well. It's not even yeah. that impressive. You know, Fulham beat them for fuck's sake. Like, fuck off, Louis Barry. Fuck you, Louis Barry. Fulham beat them. <laughs> He's going right in now, right, guys? Have I made my case? You guys have made it for You've me. Made your case. I think. I think the pair of them are going straight in. <laughs> if if Louis Barry does go in instead of Zoran, do you think Zoran's a bit pissed off? He's like, I'm in for four years here. Can I not think, at least get some credit? I for it? did all I could to get <laughs> to get in. I embezzled millions for this. <laughs> for this specific scenario, and I have been <laughs> beaten by a. A quote-unquote nice lad from Birmingham. By a 17-year-old. He's not even very good. Yes, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah, and just before we go, we have something next week that Zavi's gone and done that we're quite excited to go and share. 
yeah, so you'll notice that there's been no Bonucci segment this week, guys. But that's because we're saving it for a big, big moment next week. And I have gone away and I have had a chat with a representative from Sioux Falls Thunder. Do you remember Sioux Falls Thunder? Who doesn't? Where, yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Where Bonucci may or may not be ending his career. We're undecided. So I've had a bit of a of an investigative chat there. Found out a bit about the club, a bit about whether or not Benucci is actually going to be on the roster. Is he? Is he not? You guys are going to have to wait and find out. That's coming up next week. Brilliant. Well, on that cliffhanger, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of South Dakota Loves Benucci. And we'll be with you next week with that. Hail Leonardo, a great strong centre-back. 